0: I had somebody come up to me at a gas station and say, "Hey, cuckoo clock! I listen to the podcast." <laughs> that's what he said. No, that's not Ow. what she said, by the way.
1: Oh, what she said? <laughs> that's, what she, that's what she said. <laughs> As Michael Scott would say. Sorry. And of
0: course, I said the thing that everybody says at a gas station these days: "Can I borrow sixty bucks?" Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Suffice it to say, history is about to be made. Woo, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Courtney it's yeah. a hundy oh! it's a hundred episodes of Hope on the Couch with Courtney O'Brien <laughs>
1: How did we make it to 100 episodes, Brian? How have we come up with 100 topics? It's
0: unbelievable. Congratulations, my friend. Yes, thank you, and you as well. Thank you, and I brought you your cake.
1: You did. He did a fabulous job, and candles. you really spent the (laughs) time I
0: went all up. Suddenly, I'm a prop comic. Maybe you could see from the photo. (laughs) It's kind of the Charlie Brown Christmas tree of cakes. I'm sorry, but that's all I could fit in the fridge last night. (laughs) Got a real hungry Uh 22-year-old at home. So for those of you who may be joining us for the first time, first of all, where have you been for the other 99 Mm -hmm. episodes? But second of all, we will let you know that Courtney Kelly is a mental health therapist. I, Brian Mulhern, a longtime patient. And a 100 episodes ago, we said, wouldn't it be a good idea to take some of the stigma away from therapy Mm -hmm. and mental health issues and present therapy from the perspective of a patient and a therapist? And then that way you can see both sides and ease your way into therapy like a nice warm bath. Mm -hmm. And I think, I hope. We've changed some lives. I mean, we've definitely grown the podcast. I can see that by the numbers and we thank all of you. Yes, we do. Those who have been there from the very beginning, those who have come on late, keep Mm -hmm. telling other people. Who knows? There could be an episode 101. (laughs) (laughs) There's no telling.
1: I mean, there won't be cake, but I think (laughs) we'll still do it. Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I've actually had a lot of people outreach me and ask for additional resources, some help on things, how to get into therapy, stuff like that. So it's been really awesome. And if you do need to reach me, well, at wctk.com. You can email me. It's been a great journey and also being able to kind of research different topics, talk about my experience with things, but also, like you said, the things that you've dealt with. And we talk about maybe there's some things that people have a hard time thinking about opening up to a therapist about, but we try to normalize that and say, you know what? We all have our baggage. We all have stuff that's happened to us and everyone can benefit from having their own space and having someone give some feedback, some support, help with coping and some education on mental health.
0: I had somebody come up. To me at a gas station and say, Hey, cuckoo clock, I listen to the podcast. <laughs> that's what he said. No, that's not Ow. what she said, by the way. Oh, what she said. <laughs> that's, what she said! that's what she said, as Michael Scott would say. Sorry. And of course, I said the thing that everybody says at a gas station these days can I borrow 60 bucks? Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Courtney, now we have to get down to business yes. and we have to get serious and put the game faces on because. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's appropriate because I don't want to belittle this on any level, but we wanted a big topic for episode 100. And for those of you who don't know, we host a morning radio show on a country music station, Cat Country 98.1 in Providence. And this week got kicked off, unfortunately, with the news that Naomi Judd had taken her own life. And my knee jerk, from the patient's perspective, and trying to pull myself away from that, I tried to think about the average person and how mm. they would look at that. Because for those of you who don't know, she took her life on the eve of being inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. Mm. It had just been announced that she and Winona were reuniting as the judge. They were going to kick off a tour in September. And the layperson would say, this woman has everything going for yeah. her. Look how beautiful she is. Look at the beautiful family she has. Mm-hmm. Look at all of the things that she has on the horizon. This just doesn't make any sense. Let that speak to the grip that mental illness can get on people, Mm -hmm. where even on the exterior, it seems like everything is perfect. Look, we've been down this road before with Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. We've seen this many, many times over, too many times, really, to be honest with you. But let that show the scope. Let that also speak to the sympathy that you should have for people when it comes to this. And also, Courtney, I thought we would start, and I know you have much more in Mm -hmm. addition to this, but let's start with How can you sense warning signs? I'm sure people closest to her, she was very open, even though I hadn't read any of it about her mental health struggles. I would have loved to have read about it in the past. I became aware of it only after she took her life. I'm sure people closest to her knew, but not everybody does. What should people be looking for?
1: Right. And that's true. She did write a lot of books, too. Mm -hmm. And she did a lot of advocacy for the mental health community. So hopefully there's so many things that she's going to be known for and her legacy. But she did. She was in the grips of it. She had what they call treatment-resistant depression, and she had a real, real big struggle with trying to find ways to actually cope and to get through and to get some treatment and help around that. But yeah, when we're talking about people with depression, a lot of times watching out for more of that sadness, it's prolonged, loss of interest in things, maybe pulling away from other people, isolating, withdrawing, changes in sleep pattern, maybe of people complaining about their appetite, their energy, their concentration level, and you also notice that their moods are kind of low maybe they don't want to do certain activities, or maybe it's hard for them to just do basic daily activities. Some of my clients have gone through times when just taking a shower was like such a huge effort. Anything, even something that you take for granted that, oh, I just bop around and do what I need to do, takes like Herculean effort because you just feel this exhaustion and fatigue and depression.
0: To speak specifically to the shower thing, even she had said in an interview, Mm -hmm. I know when you see me out in public, I'm all dolled up. I'm all glammed up. She said I would go home and hygiene would go out the window, I would not take my pajamas off, yeah. I would not bathe on any level whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So that is a really good warning sign to be bringing up. And
1: also when they would come back from touring, she would like lay on the couch for two weeks. And then she said one time she had a stretch at two years, she was literally on the couch every day, she just didn't have the energy to get up and get moving. And I can just imagine with her mood fluctuation, you're on such a high, your adrenaline running, you're doing all this stuff with shows, and you're very busy. So that's another thing when people come down off of their adrenaline highs of doing different things and then they have that crash, sometimes it can creep in on that, the depression.
0: This is a common issue with musicians on that level Mm -hmm. and they speak to it all the time. And they say that it also explains to some degree situations like Taylor Hawkins, where you are trying to replicate that high that you're only Mm -hmm. getting for two, two and a half hours a night. Then you get home, you're sitting alone in a hotel room and you completely crash from that. It starts to affect your mood. Well, there's some heroin. Why don't I take that? And Mm -hmm. then suddenly that's approximating the feeling. That's a slippery slope to go down. It has caused many, many deaths. And from the patient perspective to speak to how could she on the eve of being inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame do something like this? I feel like I have a little bit of a handle on that. Now, their last televised performance ended up being a few weeks prior Mm -hmm. on the CMT Awards. And it was their big reunion. It was them coming back out again. And it's funny because that night my wife turned to me and she said, Boy, Naomi just doesn't seem into it. She was sensing already. And I think probably from having lived with a depressed person Mm -hmm. for 15 years now, she has a pretty good sense of some of the things to look for. And she was the one who told me about the news. She brought that up to me immediately, and I said, oh, my God. And I thought about that. She was probably so stressed out about having to do that having to live up to the hype because there was a lot of that leading up to it. Yeah. If she has social anxiety on some level, mm-hmm. like I do, that really starts to get to you. If in some ways, and I know it doesn't make sense to people who don't do it, but it makes sense to me and it makes sense to other performers. You don't like being the center of attention. You like it to a certain degree, but there is a line. Of course, And yeah. when it feels like you're being too analyzed, you're too much under the spotlight, it can really build your anxiety. And I imagine... Coming off of that, if she was uncomfortable, as my wife suspected, the thought of having to go through that all over again with mm-hmm. the induction and then thinking about the tour, maybe on some level, all of that just got to be yeah. too much. I mean, these are all just theories, but I'm just telling you as a patient, as somebody with these issues, I can relate mm-hmm. to all of that.
1: Well, the thing is too, I mean, she had not only the depression, but she had debilitating anxiety and panic attacks mm-hmm. as well. So you're right. That could be a huge factor as to what played into this. And maybe she got a good feeling about, hey, let's do this one last tour. Let's do all of these things. But when Once she was in the middle of the process of all the exposure, getting back up on stage, she hadn't been doing touring in years, all of this attention coming at her, seeing her picture in the media, there could have been a lot of things at play that swirled around her that just felt really overwhelming. And that's another thing is with the anxiety and the panic attacks, those can just be so awful. And if she had trouble treating those in the past, then I'm sure it probably came up and it was very difficult for her to get a handle on it. One other thing I want to mention, you were talking about with performers, sometimes with the substance use, the ups, the downs. That's also another sign that you can look for with people if they are increasing their alcohol use, if they're using substances much in that way. They need something for up, they need something to come down. And perhaps too, they may be really irritable. Sometimes we think about the sadness and depression as just like this really low mood. But there can also be, especially with bipolar depression, there can be a big component of irritability and anger. So that's also something to look for those shifting moods. But the most important thing when You see shifts in people to encourage them to talk to them and validate what they're feeling and maybe encourage them to get some education around that, to get some support, to get into treatment, just to kind of see what we can do to help them.
0: Now, we've talked in the past about how I've had to shift from depression to anger in some ways, and I try Mm -hmm. to do it as healthy as possible. But that's something that I need to get more of a handle on now, since I kind of have, I don't want to say conquered the depression, but I can manage it more. Mm -hmm. Since I've shifted it to anger, I have to keep that
1: in check a little bit. Have to keep yeah. that under the circus
0: tent from time to time. <laughs>
1: Sometimes they say, Brian, let it go. Hoos- but also <laughs> to
0: speak further to that social anxiety, for mm-hmm. people who don't get it, and especially on a performer's level, and I can tell you this from personal experience, not only when I'm unveiling new stand-up material, not only when I'm bringing something to the radio that maybe I'm a little bit nervous about, presenting a script for a TV or a movie or a play. Oh, and even this people recognizing you in public, Mm. there is this constant feeling that you are not going to live up to the expectation that you are going to disappoint people Mm -hmm. and you are going to fail miserably and you are going to be humiliated. And things that would feed into that came to me when I was in past relationships and sometimes I didn't feel comfortable going to family functions or I went there and I was very quiet and then I would find out through the grapevine how people were saying he's so affable on the radio, he's Mr. Personality, he's funny on the stage. what? He can't talk to us? He doesn't like us? Mm. To me, I'm like, well, I just don't want to go now because I'm letting people down. And for her, all of this hype about them getting back together and touring and the induction and all of this Mm -hmm. other stuff, I'm sure that component was most definitely in play.
1: Of course, of course. And that's a big insight. Actually, that goes back to what we talked about with imposter syndrome, feeling like someone's going to find out you're really Mm -hmm. not as funny as you think you are. Like you said, sometimes it would be that cycle where you try to stay out of that, but then you hear them saying, things, and then it makes you more upset. It's, it's like, gasoline on the no fire. No matter what you do. If yeah. you're out there, if you're not out there, it's like you feel like you're stuck. You don't know what to do. But it's really interesting with her. I think she was really triggered by a lot of past trauma and she was in really, really bad relationships for a while, really abusive relationships. So I think a lot of stuff came back up for her. And that was part of that crippling anxiety and depression that she had.
0: She had a lot of struggles. Don't Mm -hmm. forget that her musical career, too, was essentially taken away from her because of health issues Mm -hmm. on top of that. So it's just one thing on top of another on top of another. I talk about that analogy of being out in the middle of the ocean. You get hit by a wave. You get pushed down. You Mm -hmm. swim back up. Just as you get your head up for that breath, you get hit again. And for as much as she had a lot of success and a lot to be grateful for, she certainly
1: had her share of hardship. And I always think back to when I was in graduate school and one of our professors brought out this cup with beans and it was the diathesis stress model, which is what they were trying to show us. And it always stuck in my head. They talked about this model for mental health, like a theory that they had about, it's not just one thing. It's not just nature or nurture, but Mm -hmm. it's both. And so growing up, if you had some traumas, you may add a few beans to it. If you don't have a lot of support, you'd add a few beans into the glass. But if you did have maybe some early intervention, of some help and support. You take a few beans out. So there was all these things. Perhaps in your family line, you'd put some beans in. So there was all these things weighing back and forth. And once you got to a tipping point with those beans, you could see that that's where you are probably going to develop a mental health issue. So not everyone who is predisposed to it would develop it And not everyone who has it in the family line would get it or would not get it, but it would depend on a combination of the factors. But when I look at the Judd family, they've had a lot of traumas, especially like with Naomi, she had a lot of traumas. And it seems that they also had a lot of mental health throughout their family. They had a lot of mental health issues. So when you see that too, then accumulation, she's had awesome things happen in her life. And I'm sure she's had the best treatment that she could possibly get. She had a lot of access to things, but because her depression was treatment resistant. She had a lot of struggle with finding something that would help her. But when you look at all of the different factors that go into it, it gives you a better understanding of it's not just about people who have everything and why would they be depressed. There's a lot of stuff with your family line, with traumas, with things that have happened, with loss, with abandonment. All of these issues play into it. Oh,
0: it can definitely be genetic. Mm -hmm. I have it in my family, but it's not everybody. You know, I have a lot of situational depression. I can manage it to some degree when things are going fairly well. Right. But it's almost like lighting the fuse. To all of those genetics to me when things start going exactly. horribly exactly. wrong.
1: It makes it so that you're more at risk. And that's why, and I know you know this, that you have to take special care. And what I tell my clients is take that emotional temperature every day. How am I feeling? Is this a day that I should put myself in a certain situation? Or is this not a day for that? Really check in with yourself rather than piling things on top of yourself. Because one day you might be able to deal with certain stressors, like you said, but other days you may have to take some certain care and say, okay, I need to not Go meet up with this person, or I need to not put myself in this situation because it may tip me over and I may develop more anxiety or depression that day.
0: And another day I'm getting slimed with those beans. Right. (laughs) And to speak to the genetics thing too, both Winona and Ashley have Mm -hmm. said that they have had their own issues with depression too. This is a
1: family wide thing. It's heartbreaking. A lot of people that I work with, I see it throughout the family line. And what I do is I say, listen, give yourself a lot of credit for breaking that cycle because a lot of other generations didn't necessarily get the help that they needed, they didn't even realize what was going on with them. And it was like, oh, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and keep on moving. Years back, they didn't have that understanding of how loss and trauma affects you and where mental health comes from and mental health issues. So they didn't get the treatment that they needed. And a lot of times they passed on their issues. To their kids. They didn't mean to, but they didn't have great coping. They didn't have great supports. And so they passed on issues and the kids didn't know what to do with that. But now those kids are adults. And I always give them credit. I say, you're getting help for yourself and you're able to stop this cycle and get treatment.
0: I want to speak to something that drives me crazy when I hear people say this too. When the conversation of suicide comes up, Mm -hmm. people will say, what a selfish act. I have no sympathy for somebody like that who mm. does something like that. To which I say, as a guy who was sitting in a garage in a running car, absolutely at rock bottom, thankfully I was able to turn it around and make mm-hmm. myself better. I would say to that person, do you honestly think that Naomi, with the knowledge that she has two daughters right. who themselves are already struggling, with mental illness, that her daughter, Wynonna, on some degree, is depending on her for this tour and everything else. Do you honestly think that this is about, eh, I don't care about them, I don't care about right. that, or do you feel like maybe she's just so overwhelmed mm-hmm. by everything that she just can't even think straight? Yeah. And I assure you that it is the latter. And I know that people, it was probably a way for them to try to do the old manipulative thing, if I call it a selfish act, that will prevent people mm-hmm. from doing it. Well, you know what, sometimes you make people who are already feeling that way feel worse about themselves and push them even closer to the thing that you don't want to push Mm -hmm. them towards.
1: And I just want to mention we do have great resources, wellness 411 page, catcountry.com about if you feel like someone is struggling with some suicide ideation because that's another sign of a deep depression. We take that so very seriously and when people have that kind of opinion on things, it really does hurt everyone because yeah, they're in a space where they can't think straight and so many people who have made attempts talk about that later on of like they were in such a place where they thought it was the best thing to do. And they didn't understand the full ramifications of everything. We do talk about that in therapy, about what kind of things we can do to help people to cultivate more of a meaningful life and be connected to the things that are meaningful to them so that they don't think about self-harm and they can get through some of these tough times. And we also say a lot of times the thing is with suicide, the person is in such deep pain. But when you do complete suicide, then it's spreading that pain around. Mm -hmm. It's increasing it to other people. I don't believe that people are being selfish in that way. It's just they are in such a place where they're in such deep pain and they're sucked under. They truly don't think that there's any other options. So it is really important to not be afraid, to talk to people about it and to get them some help. Also, even easy things like the 741741 is a text line that you can text and get some quick help if you're in crisis, something simple like that. But it is so important to reach out in those moments because, We can help so many people if they can recognize that they're going down that road before they get to the place where they see no return.
0: And when it comes to making statements like that, I want to say two things. First of all, some people are just horribly awkward when it comes to discussions Mm -hmm. of death. And sometimes you're at a wake and you say something inappropriate, even though you don't mean to say it, you're just not thinking straight and Mm -hmm. you blurt something out. In other instances, to people who make comments like that, it's very easy to make a statement like that and to be that insensitive. When you have not walked a mile in those shoes, what you should be saying to yourself is, thank God I am not struggling mm-hmm. with mental illness and how can I help people who have it? Now, I also want to say that Winona and Ashley exhibited an awful lot of strength mm. to insist that the next day they still follow through yeah. with that induction ceremony to the Hall of Fame. Now, that could come from a number of different instances. And you and I were talking about it a little bit. Everybody handles these things differently. Yeah, of You know, for me, when my mom passed, and she had COVID and I had to see it all by myself behind glass, the first thing that I wanted to do was come back to work because I didn't want to sit at home Mm -hmm. and be inside those thoughts. And I was prevented from coming in because I had been within the vicinity of somebody who had COVID. So I had to sit there for two weeks and it was very, very difficult. Now, maybe they went there out of strength. Maybe they went there because Ray Charles was also being inducted Mm -hmm. and they didn't want to be selfish in that way or maybe it was the kind of thing you said, It was a wish of Naomi's. Look, Mm -hmm. if anything ever happens to me, please be sure to do X, Mm -hmm. Y, and Z.
1: Right, exactly. The thing is with Naomi, I mean, she's been struggling, but I'm sure she's had her times where she was feeling better. She was feeling less depression. She was functioning better and all of these things. And I think we have to remember that. I have clients who they carry shame because they feel badly when they're doing well and they start getting a new job and their medications are working and everything's going well. And then all of a sudden they hit a wall they get triggered by something from maybe a previous trauma, something happens, maybe they lose their job, situational stressors, and all of a sudden, they start tumbling again. And I say to people with mental health, it's on a spectrum. For some people, they have maybe a severe or an acute issue, and then they're able to get it treated, and they stay on medication, and they do well, or they use their coping strategies, they do well. For other people, it can be maybe a chemical imbalance that lasts throughout their life. And there can be lots of ups and downs. And so realizing this and normalizing that and saying it's okay like you can have your times where you're doing great and sometimes if you start to slide just go and get that help and open up to it and i try to help clients with that too, because sometimes they'll be like, but I was doing so well. Am I going backwards? No, you're absolutely not. And when we see someone like Naomi, I'm sure she had her ups and downs with things, but trying to get that help exactly when you need it, like as soon as you start seeing those signs to say, oh, maybe I need to get back into therapy or maybe I need to increase it from that monthly check-in back to weekly. Maybe I needed a med adjustment. For people who have chronic mental health issues, it is about managing that and looking at that and looking at medication adjustments and different things like that. And that's okay. For some people, yes, they get that help when they need it, and then they're okay to kind of move on. But for other people, they always need that presence in their life so that they can reach out when they need it.
0: To help crystallize that even further, Let me use your own words Mm. as an example of this. Now, I have a lot of experience with depression, anxiety, Mm -hmm. therapy. I've done a lot of reading on it, but you're never too old to learn something along the way. And you recently said something to me that hit me like a ton of bricks because it's worlds colliding now too, Courtney. Mm -hmm. You said to me within the last week, when it comes to things like depression, it can be like a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And my wife, for people who don't know, she works in the nonprofit world and has worked with many cancer patients and the thing that you always want to hear when we get to know somebody who has cancer is, oh my God, thank God they're in remission. Mm. You used that word when it came to depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And remission does not mean, we don't have to worry about this anymore. It means for the time being you have beaten this, you're in a good place and hopefully Mm -hmm. it's not going to come back. And in cancer too if you're in remission for two years they usually think that's a much safer zone but it still guarantees nothing. And so at times perhaps Naomi was quote unquote in, in remission, remission. Yeah. had clarity was okay mm-hmm. things seem to be cruising right along and that's where I have been many times yeah. and then what happens my mom gets COVID and mm-hmm. dies I lose a job. Mm-hmm. My friend gets murdered. I've talked about all of the ups and downs in my life, a divorce, a miscarriage. I could go on and mm-hmm. on and on, but you get knocked back down and it kind of knocks the remission yeah. right out of you.
1: And that's what happens. And we do have people that say their diagnosis is major depression in remission or in remission for a certain amount of time. And that is something to acknowledge and to be very happy about. But at the same time, sometimes, like you said, this can come back around again. And we need to be aware of the signs and be aware of when we need to say, okay, then we need to change the medication, we need to, check out because sometimes the medication can be up and down. Sometimes it works for a while. Sometimes we have people, we call them fast metabolizers. They're on a medication but they metabolize it so quickly it doesn't have a chance to stay in their system and to work the way that it needs to work. So there can be a lot of frustrations. They'll hit a medication that works well for a little while and then all of a sudden it's not working again. So all of these factors and then like you said, something comes along very stressful in life. We have a loss. We have a trauma. That may re-trigger some of this and some of this chemical imbalance so we need to keep an eye out for that. But yes, I had it written down, remission. <laughs> I thought I was going to talk about that. But we have to watch out for getting re-triggered.
0: So I think, Courtney, the goal is almost remission with maintenance. Mm-hmm. And they talk about this all the time, too. You're always an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Even when you think you've licked it, you live every single day as an alcoholic. And for as much as I have managed my situation, do I still consider myself to be depressed absolutely do i still consider myself to be anxious absolutely and it pops up in my everyday life I continue to battle my OCD. It's mm-hmm. a fight that I have to fight every single day. And I'm sure she did. And sometimes you don't win every battle. Right. And I think essentially that's what happened to poor Naomi here. And the one thing that people really need to keep an eye on, and for anybody who hasn't had experience with this, if you eventually do have experience with it, they need to keep an eye on Wynona and mm-hmm. Ashley now, because we already know that they have their own struggles with these same demons. Mm -hmm. And that, as you said, you're spreading the sadness around Mm -hmm. when something like this happens. That has just been exacerbated to levels that I can't even imagine for them. And I'm very, very worried
1: for the two of them. It is very worrisome because also we see that that's one of the risk factors too. If we have people who have tried to and also committed suicide in the family, that puts people at higher risk. So yeah, absolutely, because they've had so many of their own battles and now having this tremendous loss, I just hope that there's a whole community that comes around them and gives them that support and helps to hold them up. They seem very resilient, pretty amazing ladies. But yeah, like you said, they need to have that. They need to have that place and find some of that healing.
0: But as somebody who has also had my own struggles with similar things, I do want to let people know That community is very, very important, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it can become so overwhelming that it starts pushing you in the wrong direction. So listen when you're dealing with Mm -hmm. somebody like that, and sometimes when they're pushing you away, they might be pushing you away for the wrong reasons, but sometimes they're doing it for the right reasons too. And look, this is a very, very complicated Mm -hmm. minefield to try to work your way around, but we never said any of this was easy, and this is why we do this podcast, and this is why we encourage therapy all the live long day.
1: And it doesn't have to just be one stop shop. It doesn't have to be just the way that everybody else does it. You could do traditional therapy, we have telehealth going on right now and everything too in person, we're getting back to in person as well. But there's so many things online too where there's support groups, there's texting. Now, you can have a therapist texting back and forth. If that's what you're more comfortable with, you can have people over the phone. There's all sorts of resources now. So it's a lot easier to get that support. And We're here to validate you and give you that support.
0: To quickly speak to the technology, though, one thing that I do want to warn people about, and I will call it WebMD syndrome, there are some people who think, I don't really want to talk to a professional, so let me just Google this myself and try to manage it on my own. This is not something Mm -hmm. that the average person should be trying to take on themselves with the help from a YouTube video. Right, Right. You really should have some kind of a professional involved to oversee it and make sure that things are being done properly. Oh,
1: Absolutely. And plus, there's so many treatments out there now, Mm -hmm. It blows my mind. I read about things all the time, and it's very exciting. For people who are resistant to medications, there's so many things. ECT, which people make a lot of jokes about ECT from back in the day. but for people who don't know what ECT is? It's electroconvulsive therapy. Basically, you would go to the hospital. You can do like a couple of sessions a week. Some people stay in the hospital, do it. Some people go outpatient. And for a lot of people who have had severe depression, who are very treatment resistant, it has been helpful. There's just all these treatments out there now where they're actually stimulating your brain instead of using the medication. There's so many things that can give people hope. People who were like, I could never get rid of this depression and this anxiety now have a lot of hope. So it is important to talk to a professional. If there's someone struggling that you know, even go with them to the appointment give them that support. If they're feeling like, oh, I don't know if I want to go. Well, let's make some questions. I always tell people prepare. If you have questions, write them down beforehand when you go see a medical professional, because you may forget when you're in the middle of it and you're nervous, you may forget. Bring a little notebook, write down the answers. How many times have I asked my clients? Okay, so what did the doctor say? Oh, I don't remember. Okay, write it down because you may want to go see a psychiatrist or go see a psychologist or go see a therapist and say, hey, I've tried all these treatments, but it's been really frustrating because there's some new stuff out there and maybe they can help you with that.
0: And that speaks to the power of journaling, which was Mm -hmm. a big part of my own therapeutic journey. And it was very, very helpful because sometimes when you are in that malaise, Mm -hmm. you're just getting so overwhelmed by so many things over the course of the week. Make sure that you're writing it down while it's going on so then you can bring it into your therapist and say, on Tuesday, I was this. On Wednesday, Mm -hmm. I drank this much. You know, Mm -hmm. All kinds of unhealthy coping mechanisms and ways to try to work around those moments. Because it really is important for as much as we don't want to open ourselves up that way to provide as much information as possible, not for it to be judged, not for it to be used against you, but for it to be used to help treat you.
1: Of course. And it gives you insights as well. So the therapist, it helps them to see what's going on. But it also helps you to say, oh, wow, wait a minute. So this was going on and this is what I did and this was how I was thinking about it. It can give you ways to look at patterns in your life so you can make some changes. It can
0: also give you hope. Well, I was feeling that way then, but Mm -hmm. look, I got through it and I'm feeling this way now and I'm feeling much better. So it shows you the light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. that this is not this permanent thing. And when it comes to suicide, Mm -hmm. it is the ultimate statement of hopelessness, that nothing's going to change. Everything is this bad and it's going to be this bad forever. I'm checking out. You never want to get to that place. And And let's try to keep as many people away from that place. I wish we could have done the same Mm -hmm. for Naomi, but that's what we're up against here, Courtney. Of
1: course. And feelings are not facts. We feel things, then they subside, and then we feel other things. So giving validation to what we're feeling, really understand where it comes from, but also be able to know that, okay, I may feel this way now, but I'm going to feel better soon. And really looking at it from different angles and reframing some things. But again, the process of getting help can help you to get help around that.
0: For as much as I'm aware of the fact that there's a cake behind me, I do oh, feel yes. like I owe people the opportunity <laughs> to contact you if they feel like they have any questions. How can they do that?
1: Absolutely. Wellness at WCTK.com. And like I said, we do have resources about connecting with therapy and a whole host of other things. Wellness411 page, catcountry.com.
0: Then, of course, there's the socials at catcountry mornings on all kinds of platforms. We have individual pages Courtney with the C, Kelly EY, sometimes Bedard, Brian with an I, Mulhern H E are and don't forget to tell all of your friends about coping on the couch with courtney and brian now in the triple digits yes available on spotify apple Podcasts. you can get it through your smart devices leave a review leave mm-hmm. a rating and help somebody who needs it and if you feel like you don't have the words that's what we're here for mm-hmm. we have the words for you and we'll save you a slice of cake right probably not
1: <laughs> we're 100 and fabulous brian. that's right look at
0: us <laughs> and again speak for yourself
1: Courtney, happy podcast anniversary! Oh, thank you, you as well.
0: I look forward to a hundred more and many more, and we look forward to providing help and hearing from all of you Mm -hmm. as well. Thank you so much for being on the journey with us. We'll see you next time for episode 101. Woo! Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. (laughs) I want to talk about me. me.